Another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. We're coming at you with another podcast on the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. It is week four, and as usual, with me is our resident Alliance expert, Ian Harditz, the Director of the Fantasy Labs NFL Platform and an Action Network Analyst. And joining us is Scott Barrett, Senior Fantasy Analyst at PFF. He's known across the industry for his dude fantasy broness, his statistical dankness, in his Matt Jones t-shirt fetishness. Scott, how's it going? What's up, man? I'm, I'm great. That was an awesome introduction. You hit kind of the three key pieces uh, about me that I, you know, introduced myself <laughs> as to girls at the bar. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good uh, because I've been scouting you like a, a girl <laughs> at a bar for quite a long time. All right. Uh, don't, so- don't knock me too much for my undersized hands. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Did you see Greg Dorch's hand discrepancy? Like his left hand is like a full inch longer than his right hand. It's a George Costanza type of situation. Maybe <laughs> he like broke his wrist or something when he was young and that kind of like slowed the development of like his hand or something. I don't know. We're, we're going to need more details on that. Ian, you doing all right? It's a busy week with the combine going on. You sure you're not too distracted to talk about the Alliance? It's a busy week, fun week. I was saying on our combine uh, pod, I was a little more caught off guard by the combine because uh, usually that's our first football uh, after the Super Bowl, we got to go about a month without any 11-on-11 uh, 11 11 action. But, you know, we've just been swamped with AAF the whole time. So it's all good. I'm ready to get back to, uh, I guess, the mother sport of the offseason. <laughs> right. And right before we jumped on the podcast, news broke that Jason Witten has unretired. This dude is amazing. First of all, my mom is going to be so happy. I'm surprised she hasn't called me yet. But uh, Jason Witten retired during the draft unretires during the combine this guy just seems like he likes the attention of the offseason i don't know what to say but uh yes jason witten will be returning for i don't know is this a 15th or 16th season ian what is it oh man he well entered the league in 03 i think yeah so anyway he's he's coming back for more but uh yeah let's let's get into some aaf action here the first game for this week is saturday 4 p.m eastern the san diego fleet at the Memphis Express, the fleet are favored by six. There's an over-under 41.5 points. Ian, give us any injury news and notes. Yeah, so both teams are in pretty good spot, but big thing for San Diego, I mean, they've had the league's best pass rush so far, and the big guy behind that has been DeMontre Moore, had a bunch of NFL cups of coffee of various teams, but he did not practice Wednesday due to a knee injury. And also their stud linebacker, A.J. Tarpley, mispracticed with a back injury. I mean, Demonte is PFF's number one edge defender. Uh, Tarpley's number six among linebackers. So two real difference makers to keep an eye on. And then for Memphis, Zach Stacy, obviously their bell cow. He didn't practice Wednesday with an illness. You know, I, we've seen this plenty throughout the NFL and just sports in general. You know, early week, DMP with an illness usually isn't too big of a deal. So expecting him to play. But, man, big thing about this game I'm excited for. I think San Diego has pretty much uh, distinguished themselves as the only backfield that only consists of two running backs. I mean, Trent Richardson's the bell cow in Birmingham, but, uh, you know, San Diego, we have Jaquan Gardner, we have Terrell Watson. I think they're pretty much the AS version of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Scott, what do you think? That sounds about right to me. I just want to mention with regards to the matchup, definitely looks like San Diego gets the better draw. So Memphis is giving up the second most 
fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. You know, Zach Stacy, he's my number two high-priced running back after Trent Richardson. But, you know, Memphis is also pretty bad through the air. They're giving up the third most passing yards per game. Yeah, it's been interesting with Memphis's defense this year because watching them, they have been playing all right in the first uh, through the third quarter. And then fourth quarter, things have kind of fallen apart, wilted a little bit. I think they've been on the field a little along with this, uh, you know, Hackenberg running the show and not really keeping the ball ever doing much of anything. So I'm wondering if Zach Mettenberger can not only help this offense, but really just help lift his defense in this team. I mean, am, am I putting too much into one half of play? Uh, I actually just wrote him up as, I think, the, the chalk quarterback this week. Ooh. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a tough matchup for him overall. Um, Birmingham uh, is giving up the fewest fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. But, I mean, he's 5,500. You know, Gilbert's 7,100. Walford's 6,200. I think that's the only three quarterbacks you can look at this week. And Hackenberger has, you know, legitimate NFL experience, 10 starts. And he was, like, amazing last week. He only played on 46% of the snaps, but scored 12.8 fantasy points, 75% completion percentage. 120 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, had, like had the lowest minimum snap threshold. Uh, he'd lead all quarterbacks in PFF grade right now. He'd blow everyone out of the water in passer rating, fantasy points per quarter. So, so that's, where, that's where I stand, but, but I am eager to hear your thoughts. Are you, are you just trying to pay up for Gilbert or, or maybe even Walford? I'm with you, man. I think Mettenberger's the go-to uh, cheap quarterback option this week. I mean, what else did you, do you need to see the guy do last week? He balled out two touchdown passes and 12 pass attempts. I mean, Hackenberg wound up with a whopping zero in his 63 passes this year. So, <laughs> I mean, cannot overstate, like, how much of a night and day difference this was with the offense. I mean, they outscored the best team in the league in the second half of Mettenberger uh, under center. So, I, I guess the big question here is, like, how do we get a good exposure to this pass game then? Because all the guys are cheap on fan ball. Uh, Reese Horn was the kind of dude that was on the field the most. He had five targets, didn't really get any of the big plays, but he's the highest price guy at 4,800. Then we got a Gerard Shepard at 4,200. Devin Lucian's a little bit down there too. I saw an unofficial depth chart come out that actually had a Lucian above Shepard now. So I'm wondering uh, how much stock to put into that. But any uh, thoughts on these pass catchers? Or are you kind of just thinking Mettenberger and Stacy? Yeah, I, I really kind of don't know which of these wide receivers to, to, to trust or really get excited about it. I kind of just want to play uh, Alton Howard just because his nickname is pig. I think that's kind of <laughs> awesome, but, uh, but I know that's not hard hitting analysis. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I, if I play him, I'll, I'll probably want to stack, especially in the, the larger tournaments. But, um, but I, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's some decent receiver value we can get to uh, a little later. For sure. All right. Last, last thing I want to look at with this game, are you okay with Pro Watson and Jaquan Gardner in the same lineup? Because like I was saying before, I mean, this does seem to be the only backfield with two backs. So they've been the best rushing offense so far, especially these last two weeks once they've kind of realized Philip Nelson isn't going to kind of bring back these uh, 1998 Rams from Mike March or anything. So I don't know, man. I feel like if you want to pay down quarterback, this could be the week to just get T. Rich, get Watson and Gardner all in one lineup. So I think here's here's the, the case for Watson. It's kind of just that he played – 60% of the snaps last week. That was second best behind only uh, Trent Richardson. And, you know, like running back is a position I always prioritize volume over anything else. But this isn't the NFL where there's actually a lot of parity. So I'm kind of fine chasing someone with uh, hyper efficiency, uh, though I, I don't typically do that in NFL DFS. And I think Gardner is just legitimately really good. And he's he has 88 more rushing yards than the next closest player, despite ranking eighth in carries he's averaging 8.0 uh 
Uh, I think he's earned more work, but of course that's not a given with San Diego's coaches. Here's a question. If you had to have only one of those guys, Watson or Jaquan Gardner, because I think you do want exposure to that running game, but you might not be able to have both of them. Which one would you prefer given the discrepancies in price? Jaquan Gardner is 2,100 more expensive. Yeah, he's, he's really expensive, especially based on expected volume. I think uh, on a projection per dollar standpoint, he, he's like one of Jeff Radcliffe's who does our rankings and projections uh, worst values by far. But I think I'd still go Gardner, even though he's the second highest price running back. Definitely not worth it based on that volume. But Ian, what, are, you, are you grabbing the value with Terrell Watson, who's just the ninth highest price running back? Yeah, I'm probably taking the value. You mentioned it before, 60% snaps. We've seen both guys get double-digit carries these last two weeks. So, I mean, they're definitely making an effort to get Gardner involved, even if he's not on the field the whole time. But big thing for me, I mean, they haven't had these, these goal-to-go situations, really. But we have seen them sub in Watson for a bunch of these two-point conversions really just pound him in. So he does seem to be that goal line guy. And when they do eventually get to those situations, I think uh, we can see him uh, vulture some of those touchdowns away. So, But I, it, it is hard to fade Gardner. I'm taking Watson. But, I, you know, I did say this last week that Gardner wasn't the best uh, running back in the AAF. And I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on that statement. So I'm definitely uh, interested in getting plenty of exposure to both. Uh, not, not to jump around too much, but I did think over your your question, and and I think the answer for who to stack with Hackenberg at the receiver position, mm-hmm. you know, is definitely uh, Nelson Spruce. So I noticed he he averaged just 22 snaps per game in the first two weeks of the season, but he played on 46 in week three, and then you know he was pretty uh, productive on seven targets, caught four passes for 50 yards and two touchdowns. So yeah, he's he's really not um, too too expensive. So I do like that. Okay. All right, Ian, do you have a way in which you are leaning for the game in terms of either a side or the over or under? Right now, I like Memphis at plus six. I thought the line was going to open up a little bit closer to three, three and a half. So I'll be interested to see how that moves throughout the week. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if Memphis is good enough to win this, uh, win it yet. But I mean, as, as Scott was saying, like Mettenberger came in, we've only seen him for a half, but he was legitimately probably the best quarterback. It was the best half any AF quarterback has played this year. So I mean, I'm going to ride with that for a little bit, thinking, again, the Memphis defense is a little bit better than the numbers, say, after three weeks. And, uh, yeah, I think at home they can cover plus six. Ian, I think I'm, I'm probably there with you. And I really don't have an opinion on the, the over or under right now. Let's go to the next game on Saturday. The Orlando Apollos, uh, the undefeated Orlando Apollos at the Salt Lake Stallions. Apollos favored by four, a 43.5 over under. Ian, uh, any notes in terms of injuries? Yeah, Orlando's super healthy right now. They're only kind of questions when they're outside linebackers, nothing to worry about. Salt Lake, on the other hand, their right guard and their starting right tackle both missed practice on Wednesday, something to keep an eye on. And also their starting tight end, Anthony Denham, who's been one of these few tight ends to really pay attention to. He's a DMP with a leg injury, so I know he's got that shiny uh, 3K min price right now, but make sure to uh, monitor him throughout the week, and his use has kind of been up and down anyway, so might be a guy to stay away from. Big thing in this matchup, and uh, Scott mentioned this before, but Gardner, like just, I don't know, we, we assume efficiency is going to kind of go back to the mean in football, but this isn't the NFL. This is a new league. So I see what he's saying, like maybe a guy can sustain efficiency more, and maybe this Orlando offense can sustain being by far the best offense in the league. I mean, it's ridiculous right now what they're doing, averaging over 30 per game. I mean, Gilbert's averaging over 10 yards per pass attempt. No other offense is even over eight, so – it's truly been amazing what they're doing in the past game. And now, finally, they've settled on a running back, Dearness Johnson. You know, anytime you can 
slot a 200 pound guy that runs a 4840 as your feature back you know you got to do it i guess so it's weird but it's one of these situations where we have now a 5500 dollar feature back in the league's best offense scott are you fine with riding with dearness johnson even though i mean it's hard for me to say a nice thing about him other than he's the lead back in this offense yeah i mean so so he averaged 16.5 snaps per game the first two weeks of the season, but played on 33 of 63 last week, saw 13 carries, three targets. It's pretty good. Uh, he also ranks second only to Trent Richardson in fantasy points per touch. I don't like him as much as Stacy. Uh, I think it's close between him and Brandon Oliver for the number three overall running back, just for me, outside of like the super cheap guys. Yeah, he, he's in play. He's not my top play, but he's, he's definitely in play. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Brandon Oliver. I just, real simp- simple equation. I took each running back's week three carries and targets divided by their salary, you know, see who might have uh, the most value there. And the number one guy was Brandon Oliver, and the number two guy was Deonis Johnson. So it does seem like those are kind of the two cheapest backs where you can safely feel good about maybe you're on the 15 uh, touch mark. So uh, what do you think about this Orlando passing game, though? I mean, any interest other than the obvious, you know, Charles Johnson, Jalen Marshall? So, yeah, Charles Johnson's always in play. Uh, he, he's also expensive, though, so I like him not as much as Ross and actually slightly less than uh, McKay. And then uh, for Salt Lake, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Kenny, Kenny Bell, maybe, but uh, that's, that's about it for me. I don't know what your feelings are on DeMornay Pierce now. I just kind of always thought he was a Antoine Randall doppelganger for half the year, but now he's getting fed targets like no other. But, you know, I, I look a little bit closer. The guy's not even playing 50% of the snaps. I think he's lined up outside the slot on only two snaps all season. No air yards. I mean, at the same time, though, we, we have Josh Woodrum, who has pretty much the quickest release time. He's just dinking and dunking all the time. Are you getting behind Pierce now? I mean, I know you mentioned Kenny Bell. I agree with you there, but – Anything else, Pearson now, or are you just kind of looking at uh, Kenny Bell and maybe Brandon Oliver? No, I, I actually like Pearson now. I just miss him. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's had target totals of five, six, and nine the last three weeks. Uh, he had a 24% target market share last week. That that ranked third best on the week. He also caught eight passes, 90 yards, and a touchdown. He's honestly right behind Charles Johnson for me, just in terms of value among the high-priced receivers this week. Can we talk a little bit, or Ian, can you give a little more context on Anthony Denham? Because if you look at some of the numbers, he has a lot of air yards. So like his usage might be inconsistent, but I think he's, you know, like seventh, eighth in the league in air yards, has 14 targets for the season, which uh, might not seem like a lot, but is more than any other tight end, more than a lot of the wide receivers. Is it a situation where because of the the potential injury, we're not sure that we want to go with him? Or uh, is it more usage concerns? Uh, what is it with him? It's a little bit of both. Um, so I, I'd like to check in and see if he left that last week's game because of the injury. Because he only played 49% of their snaps last week. And I just found out about the injury yesterday. So I'm sorry, this morning. So I was kind of writing him off as I don't want a tight end that plays 49% of his team's snaps. But, you know, if he was 75% the first two weeks and just kind of missed an extra quarter because of these injuries, maybe we can get back behind that. But, yeah, I was just off him a little bit because I was on him more last week because it looked like he could be the number one guy. Got another week of evidence that kind of indicated Pearson L is the clear-cut target leader in that offense. Could also be a thing. I don't think uh, most of Denham's production or targets have come with Woodrum under center. I think he was doing a little more at Brandon Silver's. But, yeah, I think just in this offense, a little, little bit too scattered and then throwing the injury, and it's just a little risky. Yeah. Okay. The Apollos are favored by four points. 
I might be the donkey here, but I'm just going to take the team that's undefeated. That's, I don't know, that's where I am. Do you have any thoughts on, on the Apollos? It's a tough one, man. I'm probably going to stay away. I'm inclined to take the points because I think with, uh, you know, I, I like the Salt Lake team as long as Wood, Woodrum's been healthy. But, yeah, so here's the thing. Everyone's been hating on Birmingham this week because they're all 3-0. and They've played Memphis. they played Atlanta. they played pretty easy schedule. Birmingham and Orlando are the only teams in the league that have gotten the gift of playing Memphis and Atlanta twice already. So there's a little bit here also with Orlando, like, are they for real? So if they can get this good win, I'll be a little more inclined to call them the league's best team. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Scott, do you have any inclinations as to uh, what you might be doing in terms of the side or the over-under? Yeah, I, I, I have no, no real take. But I will say uh, Orlando is, is pretty easily uh, PFF's top-graded team. Though, uh, you know, Salt Lake is a little bit better than their record. They grade out fourth overall. So, yeah, maybe it could be a a sneaky close game. Okay. Well, uh, on the topic of Apollos and Stallions, let's get real for a moment and talk about erectile dysfunction. Guys, let's be honest. Like Apollo, you are a mythical Homeric deity. You're the god of music, truth, prophecy, sun and light, and poetry. And when it comes to your lovemaking, you are a stallion, untamed, unbridled, and pumping full of the purest, most masculine, God-given hormones known to beast or man. But sometimes, you know, you're not. And when that happens, it's time to pivot from Greek mythology to Roman medicology. Is Actually, I don't even know if medicology is a word. I think it is. Anyway, if you've noticed when you're going about your business, you're not quite your full self, you might have the dreaded ED. So get checked online by the doctors at Roman. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit getroman.com slash NFL pod, fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with the doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in unmarked packaging for a free online visit. Go to GetRoman.com slash NFLPod. That is GetRoman.com slash NFLPod for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash NFLPod. Nailed it. That is the best ad read ever until my next ad read. You know, always looking to improve my game. Guys, let's get back to the Alliance. We have two games on Sunday. The first one, San Antonio Commanders at the Birmingham Iron. The Iron favored by seven and over under of 39 and a half. And I think that line has actually even moved down while we have been recording. But uh, yeah, 37 and a half is where the line is now. Ian, any news and notes? 37 and a half. That might be a new low. That's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, so not too many huge injuries for San Antonio. Just big thing to monitor with them is this QB situation. And uh, their head coach, Mike Rowley, has come out and said Logan Woodside will start for another week. So Marquise Williams era has to wait. And hey, guys, Johnny Manziel, his uh, team is apparently San Antonio if they decide to go for it. So we'll, uh, we'll see if that works out down the road. But uh, for Birmingham, kind of story of the season for them is they're healthy everywhere except wide receiver. They had to put a Quam Bray on IR with a rib injury. Amba Ita Tawau uh, was their number two guy week one. He's still not practicing with a knee injury. And then LaDamian Washington, who's the only other guy other than Quentin Patton last week to play over 40% of snaps. He missed practice with a groin injury. So it's really looking like that pass offense is going to continue to be the Quentin Patton show. Uh, But, of course, you know, Birmingham is just going to give Trent Richardson the ball 20 times apparently a game and see where that goes as well. 
Uh, Sky, is there anything you like on Birmingham other than Richardson and, and Quentin Patton? Or do you think it's just kind of nice we, we know how much the production is going to flow through those two guys? I actually don't like uh, Quentin Patton. He's just kind of graded too poorly and it just has not been productive enough despite like a ridiculous air yardage market share. He's also the third highest priced uh, wide receiver on the week, which I think is is a little too much for him. I mean, he's going to have like a slate busting, huge upside regression game coming soon. I'm just going to hope it's not this week because I, I don't want to pay that that salary, which which I don't think is fair. And then Richardson, yeah, I'm, I'm playing him every single week. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Richardson's price still just isn't high enough. I mean, I was, right. I was, I was talking before, I, I think it was Brandon Oliver and then Dearness Johnson. Like, Trent Richardson was three or four on that list of just kind of value with opportunities and the price tag because it's so absurd. I disagree with you with a low bound Quinn Patton. He has had some bad drops. You know, I'm not out of those big four receivers. I mean, I definitely think Rashad Ross and those guys are better. But I, there's just so little competition elsewhere on this roster against what might be the worst secondary in the league. I do think he has a chance to get that slate-busting week, uh, potentially this week. But we'll look at the other side of the ball, too. Can't really touch these quarterbacks, it seems like, while they're rotating. Uh, but do you think we got a new backfield leader here in Trey Williams? Because he was able to out-touch uh, Kenneth Farrow 8-4 to four in the second half. You know, I know it's still a fluid situation. No one really played you know uh over half the snaps in that backfield but it looks like it's trending towards trey williams yeah so i wrote him up as my favorite cheap running back though also added i didn't really like him like a crazy amount but yeah it was his first game of the year in week three aaron green a healthy scratch expects to be one again you know good snap share he was really productive seven carries three targets 93 yards uh should for sure be in line for for more work definitely a value based on his salary and you know next week he'll probably be 5300 let's say rather than the 4100 he is this week yeah good point there aaron green healthy scratch last week i was all over team free aaron green this i oh man could not stop yelling it from the mountains and now the guy's a healthy scratch before the end of the first month unbelievable but one guy on san antonio i'm not backing off yet greg ward i think is still very good he had two touchdowns last week that got called off because uh one was a holding penalty and one they said the ball hit the ground it it was debatable i'm i I don't think it hit the ground but the officials said it did uh do you see greg ward or even uh demarcus ayers contributing here a big game soon or is it still just kind of the mikhail mckay show yeah i like mckay uh quite a bit so uh he has the best matchup of the week the commanders are are giving up 42.6 fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers and the next closest is giving up like 8.3 fewer than that Uh, he ranks first in air yards per game first in target market share and third in fantasy points per game and he's the fourth highest priced wide receiver in the week so i like him quite a bit uh, more so than than ward all right i ask this every week nice every week starting last week but uh I mean, Trent Richardson, you basically have to lock him in. I'm thinking for cash, but for GPPs, what are you thinking you might do with him, Scott? Is it a situation where you just kind of bite the bullet or you you look to fade him and hope that he has a, a bad game and you can leverage that? No, I'm just going to play him. He's he's still underpriced. Uh, he's still, you know, in terms of, of workload, like I don't think Richardson's good. I think the offense is, is good and like that's a great offense to – to be the Belkair running back on, but his, his volume is just so much greater than anyone else in terms of, you know, snaps, snap share, carries, targets, goal line usage, uh, that 
you, you just have to play him. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like a, a standard thing for DFS that you want those, you know, kind of like big bodied three down running backs. And then especially when they are favored and then when they're at home, it's just sort of like uh, the, the gold mine of like everything converging on this perfect moment of just starting that guy without really even having to think about it. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I can't believe Trent Richardson is, you know, the guy, <laughs> but he, he, he is at this point, probably league MVP at, I mean, at this point, I mean, amazingly, probably not, but I mean, there's an argument to be made, which is one of the saddest statements I've ever made. League uh, fantasy MVP for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay, Birmingham favored by seven. I'm probably gonna. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm probably gonna bet on Birmingham. But um, Ian, do you have any way you're leaning on this? I got San Antonio plus seven. I'm, I'm taking a lot of these dogs. I think, except for uh, last game that we'll get to, but. Just one of these things where, like I was saying with Orlando, I'm still not totally convinced that Birmingham is one of the top two teams in the league despite their record. Uh, I like Luis Perez a lot to start the year, but he's that their offense is really just not all that great scheme-wise. He's taken the has the longest average release time in the league. I mean, even the number one receiver, Quinn Padden, he's dropping a bunch of balls. Trent Richardson averaging 2.5 yards per carry. It's the least efficient rush offense in the league. So... I think their defense has really benefited from the uh, strength of schedule. I love their secondary. A few more questions uh, with the pass rush. So, yeah, I'll take San Antonio plus seven just based on I don't think Birmingham's as good as their record. You know, this is actually, uh, I think, a, a question that kind of gets to the core of what you think of Birmingham. And, and Scott, I'd kind of like your thoughts on this. So they've allowed a league low 21 points this year. And you can write a lot of that off to schedule, but on the whole, like even if they're playing an easy schedule, that is still pretty impressive. Uh, how much of their defensive efficiency are you attributing to their abilities versus their easy schedule so far? I attributed a lot more of their secondary before last week, and uh, Matt Sims really went up and down the field on them. I know uh, they only wound up with 12 points, but I mean, Denard Robinson had a brutal drop in the back of the end zone. There were another couple drives early on that were undone by just some not very good drops. And again, this was Atlanta, by far a consensus, kind of worst team in the league. And yeah, Birmingham won by 16. I, they deserve credit. I believe they've only given up like 21 points all season. So they're killing it. But I, I do think it is mostly schedule induced at this point. So, you know, schedule doesn't really weight is a huge factor in PFF's grades. So that definitely could be it. But uh, Birmingham is easily our highest graded defense and he ranks second best in pass coverage grade, third best in pass rush grade. Uh, and it's really rare in this league to find a team that's that's equally good at both. Usually it's like Orlando's really good in pass coverage, San Diego, San Antonio, really good at pass rush. So I, I do think they are one of the more uh, uh, most complete defenses in the league, at least on paper. But again, you know, schedule could be a major factor there. Yeah, good stuff there. All right, that that seals it. I am uh, hammering the iron curtain of the Birmingham iron there. Okay, let's get to the last game here on the schedule. We have the Atlanta Legends, the 0-3 Atlanta Legends at the Arizona Hotshots, uh, 2-0, sorry, 2-1. Arizona favored by 13.5. The over-under is 42 points. Ian, injury news and notes. So I haven't seen an official Atlanta practice report yet. We'll get one today or tomorrow. But, yeah, so word on the street with Atlanta is that both Akron Wadley and Terry and Fulston are banged up right now. I mean, we saw Fulston. He was a healthy scratch last week anyway. And uh, Denard Robinson kind of worked as part of a kind of three-back committee. But the thing was, none of these running backs even had really over six or seven total touches because so far Atlanta has been by far the most pass-heavy 
offense in the Liga to this point. But again, if we can get this backfield dwindled down a little bit, could be some opportunity there with Shoelace at only 3,200. But the big injury to watch here is John Wolford. Arizona's starting quarterback. He's pretty much been uh, anyone's idea of the kind of second-best quarterback in the league. And you know, we'll see if Mettenberger can say anything about that down the stretch. But he strained his back last week, wasn't able to play. The He got hit first play of the second half, didn't return. He's considered day-to-day, though. He was already practicing yesterday. And, I mean, I don't want to take too much away from a random practice video, but the guy was out there, like, doing drills, letting the ball rip. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, he's practicing but just standing on the sideline the whole time. So, if he's trying up towards playing, I mean, we got the second-best quarterback in the league with the sixth-highest price among quarterbacks. Uh, Scott, I I know you said earlier Mettenberger's your cheap quarterback, but I guess how do you uh, compare him versus Walford this week? Yeah, I mean, just Walford's kind of blowing everyone else away in terms of fantasy points per game, PFF grade, passer rating. And the other only close person, you know, minimum 13 attempts, Hackenberger had 12, was was uh, John Walford. And then there's just like a massive gap where nobody comes close. So I, re- I think you're only looking at these three quarterbacks. I, I personally like Mettenberger. I think he's, he's chalkworthy just at price. But, you know, Gilbert has a great matchup. He He's, he's been the best quarterback in the league. He, he's probably m- my favorite for the AAF MVP, but he's, he's also 900 more than, than Wofford. And I, like, what's the difference between them? I think probably just a little bit more than $900 worth. So that's where I stand. Good stuff. Yeah. And at, I'm looking at the Arizona running backs. I've been a Jarrell Cow truther since week one. And then, you know, week two, Tim Cook came out of nowhere, really stole things. Week three, though, Presley was back to being the guy, played a little bit over 50% of the snaps. Just the production, the touchdowns haven't quite come there yet. I mean, I figure just keep kind of investing in these running backs and the best offenses. You know, hopefully things will kind of uh, change course eventually. But we also got Justin Stockton at 3,500 who, you know, he's playing mid 30s uh, percent uh, snaps. I think Stockton might be the cheapest running back you could throw in a GPP lineup and feel a little bit okay about. Uh, what are your thoughts, I guess, on the, on the run games on both these teams? So I, I think you nailed the run game on the other side. Uh, but I do like Presley. Um, you know, this kind of goes back to our, our prior debate about, you know, lack of parity in the AAF, how important is talent and, and you know, how well you're playing uh, versus raw volume. So, so Presley ranks second in snaps per game. That's typically the best stat for predicting running back fantasy production, like in the NFL, just raw total snaps or, or snaps per game correlates better to fantasy points or fantasy points per game than carries targets touches uh, which is really absurd because you don't get any fantasy points for just a snap but yeah the problem is he's, he's graded really poorly and he hasn't been very productive but luckily he's not too expensive so, so I do like him he's in consideration he's not my top guy but I, I, I do like him yeah I hear you. I feel like he's the Lamar Miller AF I don't <laughs> I, like I, I don't want to play him but you know he's a cheap feature back so we got to at least consider it right all right, yeah, and then so last thing on these passing games, uh, one other quick injury, Richard uh, Mulaney, who is Arizona's pretty much number three receiver, he's min price this week, but it looks like he's going to miss another game with his knee injury. I have found that these last two weeks, we want to keep an eye on these injuries because it seems like if a wide receiver misses a game or two, they pretty much get put back into the lineup or into fan ball lineups at minimum price. So something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on for future weeks. But I'm looking at the Atlanta offense. You know, Matt Sims, I believe he got over 300 yards last week. Again, he did look good throwing the ball. And I have not had a nice thing to say about Matt Sims all season, but the guy looked good last week. And uh, Santavius Jones, you know, had the awesome onside uh, conversion catch. 
he's cheaper than Malachi Jones somehow. And, you know, uh, Centavious definitely has the areas. He has the higher target share. Am I, you know, is there a trap here? I don't know. I feel like Centavious should definitely be the higher ranked guy. So I have, I have very little interest in Malachi Jones. I, I considered uh, Centavious, but he's just graded so terribly <laughs> that I just can't put any faith into him. I, I mean, if you want to stay on the Atlanta side, I, I like James Quick as a as a value. I like Keith Tobridge as a value. We can stay on those guys or, or we can move to what do you want to do if, if Mulaney's out? Because I think that's like sneaky big. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the answer to Atlanta might just be no, however we want to, what, what, whatever position we want to look at. But yeah, no, I think if Mulaney's out, I mean, look, Rashad Ross is completely balling. He's had like five incomplete targets this year and he's had four touchdowns. You throw the guy the ball, he, he's making good things happen. But I mean, his targets aren't overwhelming. I feel like Josh Huff and even Marquise Bundy are both competent receivers that could maybe go off you know, on any random week, uh, I'm definitely fine investing in these uh, number two, and number three guys. Is that how you're feeling? Yeah, exactly. So, so Bundy played the third most snaps last week, but he drew eight targets. He's the 18th highest price wide receiver. Huff, he actually led all week three receivers and targets with 10. Uh, he's the ninth highest price wide receiver, but he's also like very unproductive last week. So, you know, you, you can look at either of those guys. I think they're both uh, strongly in play. Bundy, the better value. Maybe Huff has more upside, but um, yeah. We're assuming John Walford's going to play, but let's say the back doesn't heal up. Uh, what do you think about Trevor Knight, Scott? I mean, the guy can run. He's got a live arm. I know the live arm's never exactly completed too many of the passes, but, I mean, he's got, you know, what I like to call fantasy-friendly traits, at least, where he's down to run, he's down to throw the ball deep, and in this case, his price tag is certainly cheap enough. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. I think that's a really good idea. I don't think I'd go that route just because, like, we've seen how bad – you know, 60% of the starting quarterbacks are in the AAF. So like if he's a backup, yeah, I don't know. True. That's scary. All right. So I think there are uh, a a couple of things up for debate with this game. One is how do we even pronounce these guys' names? Because I think it's Shantae (laughs) Jones and uh, Malachi Jones. If I had to bet, that's how I would bet. But more importantly, this is the game on the week with the highest over-under. We are expecting – Arizona to be able to score points. Shontavious Jones does have a high market share of air yards. He is getting targeted pretty heavily. Is this a situation where we would consider game stacking here and trying to to load up and kind of be uh, contrarian uh, in this situation by going with Atlanta, but hoping that someone on that side of the ball can get a decent chunk of yards, maybe a touchdown through the air because they're going to have to throw? I think if you're going to do it, I, I think you got the pronunciation right. I think you're going to go with Shontavious. And, uh, but other than him, I don't want anything to do with this Atlanta offense. And that's just kind of the problem. Like, if you do want a game stack, you're getting exposure to easily the league's worst offense. So I just don't know if it's really worth it. Uh, I'm, I'm more inclined just to take my chances with anyone I count in Arizona. And yeah. I'd, like, I'd, I'd rather just piece someone out from, like, Orlando, one of these better offenses. Okay. So, uh, Ian, you already said you are going to be back in Arizona here. That's right, 13 and a half, but I don't know. I feel like uh, the biggest line of the week's usually gotten up to around 15 or 16, so we're even getting a couple extra points than normal. But, yep, give me Walford or give me Knight. They're going to roll. Yeah, I would agree. I would say if you, uh, if you like Arizona, I think wait. I think the line will, will probably continue to move here. Okay, from a fantasy kind of strategy perspective, I'm curious, are you guys uh, a little more interested in Arizona 
or in Orlando, kind of from a team stacking perspective? Because I think those are going to be the the two teams that people uh, gravitate to the most, at least in terms of, of the passing game. Where are you leaning on that, Ian? Yeah, it seems like, uh, especially for cash games, you got to ask yourself if you want to pay up for Garrett Gilbert or if you want to go down in the Walford-Mettenberger range. I'm more inclined to pay up this week. I think there's plenty of running backs to kind of make it possible. So I'm taking that Orlando route. If you get Gilbert, you got to get T. Rich, obviously. So I think the kind of sacrifice you make if you want to pay up there is you're going to have to pivot off uh, your Gardner and your Charles Johnson, pick up Terrell Watson and Jalen Marshall instead. So I'm fine with it. I don't think you're sacrificing many snaps, as Scott was was saying earlier. I mean, it's one of the highest correlated things we can get. And then with guys like uh, Dearness Johnson, Darrell Presley, featured backs a little bit cheaper, uh, you can just kind of plug in, uh, you know, maybe Trey Williams or a cheaper guy uh, after. So I think there's enough uh, high-volume running backs this week that you can pay off a quarterback. Scott, what do you think? Well, I, you know, I, I recommended not paying up at, at quarterback, but I, I do think uh, I like Orlando uh, a little bit more than Arizona this week. Yeah. For cash games, uh, Scott, let's stick with you. Who are some of the, the players that you are looking at? So, yeah, I, I said Zach Mettenberger. I said Trent Richardson. I'm going to try and pay up for Rashad Ross, uh, McKay. The problem is it's, it's really tough. So we didn't talk about either of these guys I really want to hear Ian's opinion on this. I think there are two tight ends who are very in play as values this week and almost for really very low upside, but guaranteed, you know, snaps and targets. So Keith Tobridge is like the 40th highest price receiver. Uh, He played on a team high 58 of 68 possible snaps last week. It was almost double his total in the first two weeks of the season. He had six targets, just caught three for 21. Uh, and then there's uh, Wes Saxton Jr., 36th highest price receiver. He's another tight end, another decent value. Uh, he had five targets last week, caught three for 27. Another team high, 56 snaps of 66. And that came after sitting out in week one and week two. Uh, both these guys should be starting in week four. I kind of don't want to play a tight end when I can play a receiver, but these guys do look like two of the best receiver values this week. And, and there's a lot of expensive guys I want to pay up for. Yeah, no, I think, I think uh, you're right on there, Scott. I'd be more willing to take my chances with a uh, West Saxton between the two, just because, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about Birmingham, how it's just kind of a mess behind Quentin Patton. We don't really know who the number two option is. So it could be Saxon in any given week and Tobridge, you know, again, I'm just trying to stay away from that Atlanta offense if possible. One other tight end, uh, Gavin Escobar has pretty consistently been a top three option uh, with uh, Martz in San Diego. And, you know, we talked about Anthony Denham a little bit earlier too with uh, uh, Salt Lake, some of the things he's done, but yeah, I think in general, I just find myself uh, straying from the tight ends. I mean, when you can put a running back or wide receiver in there, I, I think you should do it. Some of the, you know, obviously some of these tight ends are more or less slot receivers, but I don't think we've really quite seen one that's a, more of a glorified receiver uh, so far. So I'll, I'll, I'll be staying away. Scott, are there any players for GPPs who kind of catch your eye, guys you think will be uh, under-owned or uh, who offer some sort of like roster construction ability uh, that might result in a lineup being low-owned? You know, I think those hyper-efficient running backs, those are guys to play in GPPs. Gardner, Johnson, especially not uh, as strong in cash. Two punt plays, I didn't bring up. uh, Ian, I need you to tell me if these are terrible plays or just – you know, thin plays. Uh, James Quick, he played on eight total snaps the first two weeks of the season, but he played on 30 in week three. He drew 
a week high, 29% target market share, eight targets total, 36th highest priced receiver. Still, he ranked fourth on the team, team's uh, receiver, wide receivers and snaps. And then uh, Kalen Clay, uh, he was technically Salt Lake's wide receiver five by snaps after being inactive the first two weeks, but he, sat, he, he saw a team high seven targets in week three. Zero air yardage on that, but caught five passes for 27 yards. Either of those two guys, decent GPP plays for you? Uh, the quick one's interesting. Uh, just, again, on this Atlanta team, a little worried about it. But even he's that cheap, I mean, I don't see why not if you want to throw him out there. I was looking at uh, Richard Mullaney and Amba at the towel a little bit earlier this week, but it looks like both of them are going to be out again. So I'm kind of – it's it's a little bit uh, dry this week. I feel like these last few weeks, you know, we had Brian Brown like week two or whatever right. and someone else. There's kind of been a glaring uh, starting receiver that's at the mint price, Mark. I don't think we really have one really there this week. I do agree. Uh, Kalen Clay looks like – I mean, it's him, uh, Kenny Bell, and Pierce now are pretty much their three wide receiver sets, it seems like. So, yeah, I mean, anytime you can get a guy that does at least have – uh, some experience with an NFL roster that at least multiple evaluators have said, okay, this guy's not too bad. Fine taking a chance on him if the price is right. Scott, uh, one more question here. What do you think is the core decision that someone needs to make is kind of like the, the first thing that they're deciding when building their lineup this week? Uh, it's probably that quarterback question. We, we've been going back and forth, and it yeah. seems like we've, we've narrowed it down to Gilbert versus Mettenberger. Ian, what do you think? No, yeah, I think, I think Scott's right. Uh, that was, you know – Fancy uh, Labs breakdown will be out uh, today or tomorrow, but went for the cash game construction. It basically came down to do you want to pay up or not? Because you know you're going to get your Trent Richardson uh, pretty much no matter what. But if you pay down, you got a better chance at kind of securing some volume, especially out wide receiver. But again, I'm a little more inclined to pay up this week. I mean, guys, Garrett Gilbert dual threat. He had a swaggy, athletic like 15 yard touchdown run last week. Uh, I'm I think the guys easily the number one uh, quarterback. And hey, if Orlando is just going to keep running the train on everyone, I'm going to keep uh, keep getting on them. All right, Scott, what uh, alliance pieces do you have coming out this week? Uh, my DFS uh, week four uh, advice article that, that dropped this morning. Okay. And then, uh, Ian, we published the uh, offensive scouting report on Monday. Our week four AAF rankings are out on the site. Uh, you, Sean Corner, and I put out rankings each week. And then what other pieces do you have coming out this week at Action Network and Fantasy Labs? Yeah, fanball-specific DFS breakdown should be out later this afternoon, along with the Action Network Ultimate Week 4 Guide, where I'll have uh, you know try to keep track of injuries and that kind of stuff along with everything else you can imagine. So good stuff, guys. I'm happy we made it to a week four. Things weren't looking all that hot there for a minute, but we still got football in February and March, and I love it. All right, that is going to do it uh, for this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. Please rate and review the show in iTunes. Subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. Thanks to Scott for being on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at ScottBarrettDFB. You can follow Ian in the Action Network app at iHeartIts. Also use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. For Scott and Ian, I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. See you again next episode.